that'll make you do both. He says things I can't say. Nothing tops overtime, whether it's on the field or on the air. People don't forget. It's time for Overtime with Jonathan Peterlin. And a welcome on in. It is Overtime with Jonathan Peterlin. Glad you guys could all be with me here on this Monday. Sometimes things just make sense. They just add up. So I'm going to do a long-winded way of going down this path to give Ken Carmen some compliments here, okay? Can I do that? Is that okay? I see him right now getting into his truck, by the way. Man just got finished working. You just heard him over the previous hour or so. Just got finished. But I went on a small little trip. I promise. I'll tie this all together. I went on a small little trip over the weekend. I had a a Saturday-Sunday off combination, which, as you guys know, uh, typically I do CBS Sports Radio. It's basically like an every-other-week thing that I do CBS Sports Radio. Has been for a long time now. So every other weekend, I do a CBS Sports Radio show. The weekends that I don't, I get Saturday and Sunday off. And we're going to football season. And during football season, my Saturday-Sundays, they're just – they're filled is the point, right? And I have my niece's second birthday party this weekend – and I told my family I wasn't going to be able to make it. I was putting the Browns game ahead of everything. And then I looked back in the mirror and I said, Browns play on Friday. You still have Saturday, Sunday. You can make this work if you want to make this work. And about two weeks ago, me and my wife, we looked up flights. They were pretty decent. My little brother's got a little bit of a hookup over there at one of the airlines as well. So we were really able to make it work. And so we decided to go for an extremely short Saturday morning into Sunday night return trip. So we left Saturday morning at like 4 o'clock, 4.30 in the morning. We, I think we left the house at like 3 or so. And then we ended up coming back on Sunday night around midnight or so. And it was fantastic. We flew with the baby. The baby, by the way, where there's four flights because you can never get a flight just straight from Cleveland anywhere. It's the one thing I got about Cleveland. I love Cleveland to death. You guys know this. It's the one thing I got against Cleveland is that our airline is absolute trash when it comes to, uh, you know, Point A to point B. Everything has some layover, some stopover, and it sucks. That, I hate that part of it. We, we desperately need to be back to being a major hub like it was 20, 25 years ago with United. We need that so bad. Get the mayor on the horn. Let's, let's link that one up. So anyway, 4 o'clock, 4.30 in the morning, we get to the airport, and we go through TSA pre-check because we have TSA pre-check. It's all, you know, 75 bucks for five years. We don't fly that often, but it's, I think it's worth its weight in gold. I like it. So anyway, we are in line for TSA pre-check, and all of a sudden, Joe Thomas comes through, and he goes to the clear section. Clear, if you guys don't know, basically like a little bit of a faster version than TSA pre-check. It costs more. you got to pay it yearly. It's for the serious flyers. I'm not a serious flyer, so I don't have it. It's for the serious flyer. My little brother flies a ton. He's the type of person that has clear. So I see Joe, and in that moment, I think to myself, do I say hi or do I not say hi? My wife is right there, and she's like, you know, we, you should say hi. I feel like you should say hi to Joe. You've, you've talked to Joe a few times. You know Joe. You should say hi. But I'm at the point where I've talked to Joe enough, and I've met Joe, but it's been so infrequently. It's one of those scenarios where I'd still, if I went up there, I'd have to be like, hey, it's Jonathan Peterlin from 92.3 The Fan. And like introduce myself that way so that everything caught on and everything was okay. And it's early. And I, I'm, I'm connecting the dots here. I realize and understand that man just worked a, a preseason game on Friday night that because of the rain delay, he had to have been at that airport with maybe two hours of sleep. Because I was at that airport with like three and a half hours of sleep. He had to be at the airport with like two hours of sleep. 
So I go up to him right as we're getting to that point where you, you put your baggage and you put all the luggage right on the little conveyor belt that goes through to then take yourself through to the other side of the actual airport security, right? I go up to him and I, I reach my hand out and he looks at me like a deranged fan as he's rightfully supposed to. I go, hey, Joe, Jonathan Peter and 92.3 The Fan, just want to say congrats on the haul. And he does a little head nod thing and I, it, it was just such a lack of a reaction that I was like, I need to keep this conversation going somehow because that was not... That was not enough. And I go, hey, really funny uh, funny uh, interview you had with Ken and Anthony. Can't believe Anthony just went out and left your Hall of Fame party. And he did another like chuckle like, uh, yeah, yeah. And then he like, kind of put his, you know, put his baggage on. And, and I go, okay, all right. I, 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 does Joe Thomas not like me? That's honestly my thought. It was like it was such a, such a muted reaction. I was like, does Joe just not like me? And at this point, I'm not even really thinking about the fact that it had been a couple hours since he had just done a full game and probably got zero sleep. I was more like, maybe Joe Thomas doesn't like the show. Maybe Joe Thomas just doesn't like me in general. I don't. I really don't know. And so I say, I say in my brain, I tell myself, all right, that's fine. You said hi. He's a busy man. It is what it is. I, I whatever. Just just go through. And when you go through the security line, don't bother him. Don't say hi. You know, just whatever. You, you had your interaction. It is what it is. No big deal. And so we go through the little checkpoint and you go through, you know, you go through the little uh, thing that beeps off if you have any metal in you or anything like that. And I go to the other side and, and he's right there and I'm right there and my wife's right there. It's just the three of us. And he goes and he grabs his bags and I'm like, oh, wow, he really, I mean, he really does not want to talk to me. That's all right. But again, I was like, I, it's his deal, not mine, whatever. So I go, I go and I get ready to go grab my bags. And then clearly he grabbed his bags at that point. And then he goes, oh, so where, where are you flying to? Like, he comes back to me and goes, so where, where are you flying to? I said, Kansas City, where are you flying to? He goes, Madison, I'm going home, but, you know, I got this. And, and then we just started, you know, talking. And we did like a 10-minute you know, conversation or so, and he, he's asking me everything about everything. I'm, I'm telling him what a great job he did with Chris Rose, and, and I'm going through, and I, I am just, I am, it's a real conversation. And I don't know what happened there. I don't know if it, like, something went off in his brain, like he connected the dots. Maybe he thought he himself was a little rude or something. I'm really, I have no idea. Zero clue. I'll never know. But something in him was like, I, maybe he was nervous about going through the airport. I, I, I really don't know that answer. But then he couldn't have been nicer, couldn't have been more gracious. And I'm sitting there and I'm talking to him. And I'll spend maybe about 10 minutes, 10 minutes with Joe there, right? And having a nice conversation. And then, you know, I told him, I said, I'm going to Kansas City because he asked. And then I knew he was going to Madison. So I thought that was it. And then it turned out we had the same layover flight in Minnesota. And so we're on the same airplane as well. And so I'm spending more time with Joe. And, and, and it was just like this whole thing. And I say all that to lead up to the fact that the disappointing part to me is as nice as Joe was, and he was incredible, it just took him a little bit there. I think I connected the dots a little bit late. I think what he didn't want to do was draw attention to himself. Because if, if when I went up to him, he made some sort of big deal about it or something, then it would draw a bunch of attention. And then everyone would be having these big like, hey, Joe Thomas is here. And they want autographs and they want photos and all that stuff. I think he was trying to keep it low key, which I can respect. But the part I thought was fascinating, I mentioned Ken. I mentioned Ken coming out of here and, and Ken was just, he, he you know, did the show he had to do and he was just leaving out here. In the entire 15 minutes that I was with and around Joe Thomas before we both got on the same flight to Minnesota and including that flight because he was up in first class, I was not, but I could see Joe the entire flight basically. Not a single person came up to Joe Thomas and bothered him. Not a single person came up to Joe and said hi. And, said, and there's people, when I'm talking with Joe, there are people with Brown's gear that walked right by him like they'd never seen him before, like they had no idea who he was, because they, I, I genuinely believe they didn't know for some reason. But they walked right by him. And then as Ken is leaving here, there's this little kid, 
maybe 10 years old. Dominic, how old do you think this little kid was? Ten, no, no, no more than 10, maybe 12 years old. My, uh, my money would be like on seven or eight. Oh, seven or eight. A little bit younger than that even, okay? He, he didn't look like he could play kids pitch uh, baseball yet. Okay, that's fair. This little kid came up to Ken as Ken is leaving, and you can see ask Ken something. I don't know what he asked him. I don't know what it was, but he tailgated Ken until Ken went up the steps, and then he asked him something. I would imagine it would have said, oh, maybe he went up to Ken and said, congratulations on all of your success. I have no idea. I just find it fascinating. Ken was not supposed to be in this building right here today, right? But then all of a sudden, Ken has the only person he comes across, and this little kid wants to talk to Ken. But I'm with Joe Thomas, a Hall of Famer, for legitimately 15 minutes in the airport, and not a single soul came up to Joe and said a word. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means, but it did make me wonder if I should downgrade Joe a little bit on my uh, my my Mount Rushmore of Cleveland sports, because I did put him on there when asked by Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. I still want him to be up there, but LeBron's not going through Cleveland Hopkins without being bothered for 15 minutes, Okay. Uh, I don't know. Ken Ken got way more uh, attention in the three-minute walk that he had, really the 30-second walk, than what Joe Thomas had in 15 minutes. That was a little, caught me a little off guard, if I'm being honest. But Joe was great. He was fantastic with his time. He was very nice. He was very nice to my wife as well. And so I always appreciate that with Joe. But every encounter I've ever had with Joe has always been really nice, and he's always been, to everybody, he's always been extremely great. So I'll appreciate that. But I, I was thinking about that. For literally the majority of the flight is how nobody came up and bothered him. And he did a good job. He did the, the right celebrity thing where he had the hat on. He had the hoodie kind of like halfway up and over and everything like that. Like he, he was really, he's gotten to be pretty good at disguising it, you can tell. And I thought it was incredible. Cleveland Airport, not a single person. The one, I mean, listen, if we, if we cut paths in Minnesota and I see Joe Thomas, maybe I get it. Cleveland Airport? And I just kept thinking about different times I've been out with, like, Ken, let's say, just out and about near uh, outside of the, the the studios here, and people across the street will scream, Ken! It's, like, uh, everywhere. I used to go with Adam to baseball games. Going to, going to baseball games with Adam is like going to a baseball game with the Pope. It's insane. Everyone, every three feet is like, Adam! It's just it's how it works. So, anyway, I thought that was interesting. Uh, I did have a good time, though. Had a great time in Kansas City. Had a great time with family. Had a great time, uh, just in general, just, just hanging out and and getting to see getting to see uh, my family and and my little niece that turned two. It did rain on the party, which is a little bit of uh, a bummer, but we made it all work. It was a Bluey themed party. I learned all about Bluey, which is something that I know my baby girl at five and a half months, now closer to six, is going to get really invested in at some point. But that day will come. We don't need to rush that one. All right, two one six four seven four to below ninety two. We got a ton to get to tonight. I, I want to lead talking about Cade York. Actually, Ken came in and he said, you going to get on Nick for his take? What, what, were you doing that in the fan focus? I said, no. I said, well, I said, yeah. I said, it'll happen in the fan focus, but it'll also happen all throughout the show, I would imagine as well. And it's not necessarily getting at Nick because I, I what I find fascinating about the Cade York discussion, and I think what Ken is getting at is more the idea that, uh, it, you know, Garrett called in, Ken called in, and... Nick had, when asked and prompted by Garrett, whether he would rather have Cade York be an all-pro kicker two years from now or go deep into an AFC title game where then Cade York would blow it in year one, but you get that all-pro kicker, he said he would take the all-pro kicker. I'm not going to slam Nick on that. But I do find the entire discussion very interesting. And I find it interesting because I kept thinking about Roberto Aguayo. Roberto Aguayo was one of my favorite 
college kickers of all time. We all got those those players that stand out for us. At one point, I remember, I remember wanting to create an Aguayo for a Heisman T-shirt, kind of like a joke, but kind of not really. I was doing network radio at the time. I was in Houston, and Roberto Aguayo was taking over college football. He was awesome, and at the time, he was the NCAA single season. Uh, points leader in, in a year for kickers. Also the ACC record. You, I mean, they go hand in hand, but it is what it is. When ESPN came out and did a all special teams team, uh, actually it was a Mount Rushmore, a lot of Mount Rushmores, uh, Mount Rushmore of special teams players in college football history. Roberto Aguayo was on the list. Roberto Aguayo was cut after the first week of the preseason, first week of the preseason into his second year. The man was taken in the second round. He went one full year. He missed nine kicks all year. Cade York missed eight kicks last year. Roberto Aguayo missed one more kick. He was a second-round pick, missed one more kick, and then in the preseason week one, missed a kick, and that was it. Tampa Bay cut him, and they moved on. And I'm wondering to myself, if Tampa Bay could do that so swiftly and so easily, why is it that the Browns, and really Browns fans in this discussion, seem like they don't want to give up on Cade York? It's not everybody that doesn't want to give up on Cade York, but even the people that have defended Cade York today aren't saying it like we're defending Cade York. I'm sorry, I said, I said that backwards. The people that want to get Cade York off the team aren't saying it like they want him off the team tomorrow or tonight, they're saying it like they want competition, and then if he continues to struggle, then they want him off the team. And I find that to be really fascinating. Why is it that it was all right for Tampa Bay to give up on Aguayo, who was taken two rounds earlier, had more and better expectations than even Cade York did? Why was it okay for them to move on? But when it comes to the Browns, it's almost unfathomable at this point to have them go and release them outright. 216-474-0092. And I'm not even saying it's what they should do. It's not what I believe they should do. I'm just saying history tells us if they wanted to, they could, and it really would be no sweat off their back. All right, 216-474-0092. Do we have a K-Dork problem? We'll get to your phone calls. We'll get to what happened with Deshaun Watson as well. We'll touch it all. It's overtime with Jonathan Beadle here with you. On the fam. Hey, but first, it is the che- the Chevy Summer Drive at Classic Chevrolet in Menor. Shop Classic Chevrolet's high-quality inventory and special incentives like this great offer. At least a 2023 Chevy Equinox LT for $289 per month. It is Jonathan Peterlin here for Jeremy Hamilton and the entire team at Classic Chevy in Menor. Shop in person at the Classic Flagship Dealership, Route 615 in Menor, or view their entire inventory of new and certified pre-owned Chevys online. It's as simple as that. Sometimes you don't want to go into the store. They understand it. You understand it as well. It's about convenience sometimes. Well, they got it all for you right there. DriveClassicChevy.com. That's DriveClassicChevy.com. Chevrolet, find new roads. All righty, back into here on The Fan. It is overtime with Jonathan Bidouin. I told my story about the Joe Thomas meetup at the airport. Meetup's a friendly way to put it. <laughs> I don't know we call it a meetup. But anyway, we ran into each other at the airport. I ran into him, and then we had a conversation, and he was very nice about everything, as he always is. But it was just—it was—it was funny the whole back and forth. And then I related it to how Ken, Ken leaving the studio here, gets recognized by like an eight-year-old. The the resounding part for me is I probably spent on Saturday morning at Hopkins maybe like fifteen minutes with Joe, and then it was uh, throughout the whole entire flight because I was on the same flight as him, connecting in Minneapolis as he was going to Madison, and then I was going to Kansas City. 
And uh, I mean, it was, you know, you're hours, hours in an airplane. That's what that is, right? Uh, hour 40, hour 40. I remember the exact time, mainly because I had my little daughter with me. And so I was counting down minutes since she was awesome. And I'm like, oh, we're going to get off this fight with her being great, aren't we? This is going to first fight of the her life. She's going to do great. And by the way, shout out to the good people uh, with the airlines. We, we flew two different airlines and both of them gave her like little plastic wings because she's a little baby and it's like her first flight. And I thought that was very cool. But the point is that nobody nobody stopped and said anything to Joe. And I have a caller on hold here. And I want to let's get to Paul here. Paul, you have a theory on this, and I'm I'm gonna I'll probably debunk it here, but I like where your head is at. Go ahead. Hey Jonathan, good evening. Thanks for taking my call. Good evening. Thank you for making it. First, I want to ease your pain. One, I've been married, I'm forty four, been married twenty two years. I want to talk to no one at the airport at four thirty AM. Yeah. <laughs> and that includes people I know, so I wouldn't take it personal. Um, like you said, it's four thirty. Everybody's zombies, right? The yeah. second, um, I have a different take. You said about LeBron, if he was in Cleveland, you know what? You're probably right. He probably would get mobbed and, you know, he'd be a huge fanfare. But I think Cleveland looks at Joe Thomas a little different. I think they love LeBron, but they see Joe as one of them. A hard hat wearing, lunchbox carrying guy. And I think, I think honestly, you're probably being a little disingenuous, the Browns fans. I bet you every one of them knew who he was. But they probably saw Joe having a conversation with another gentleman and didn't want to be rude and interrupt. You think it was just respect there, huh? I honestly think he is respected that much in the city of Cleveland. I think when it all comes down to it, when I'm 80 years old, we'll look at a Joe Thomas like a Jim Brown, just a true class act, a, a true legend, a true Cleveland Brown. You know, I'm going to take that because I, I, it's like when anytime I've seen Tito out and about downtown, and I've seen Tito a lot, no one ever bothers him. I always think it's incredible. I mean, respect is earned, right? And yeah, okay. When you have that, when you have that much respect, you know, it, it, it gets reciprocated. I like that. Thank you, Paul. I appreciate you, man. That's good perspective. I like that. I, I, you know, you can see the looks on some of the Browns fans' faces as they went by, though, and it was not, it was zombie-esque still, but maybe that's because it was 4.35 in the morning. It was still very early. Yeah, I, I kept thinking about that afterwards. I was like, poor Joe Thomas. He is, he did that game. They had the rain delay. I mean, I was... I had bags under my eyes big time because I got maybe like, I watched the whole game and I probably got maybe like three hours of sleep. He still, he had to go do the game and then he had to go to the hotel room and do everything afterwards and all that. You're right. You're Paul, Paul's probably right. They saw him talk. They saw him talking to me. Not that they know me or anything like that, but they saw him talking to me and they probably thought to themselves, let's just, Joe's having a conversation. He seemed engaged. He seemed like he's having a good time. Let's just, let's let that be. I do think it's something fascinating about, uh, just in generalities within the conversation. Two one six four seven four double ninety two. I last one on this. We'll get back to Cade York. Hello, Greg. How are you? Hey, man. Thanks for taking the call. Uh, I just wanted to jump on a little bit with that last guy said. Um, now I'm not about to put the same guy in the con- in the same context as Joe Thomas, but about ten years ago or so, Jabal Sheard was walking around Jack Casino, right, mm-hmm. and everyone knew who he was. And nobody gave him a hard time. He just let him be a human being. I feel like we're maybe, you know, maybe I'm giving credit to Cleveland more than I should, but like we know certain areas are where you should be fans that go crazy. And there's other places where you just let people be humans. And I think in that situation, like the other guy said, just allowing him to be a human being and not bombarding him, not just saying that you did, but like nobody else no. was jacked 
jumping all over him for that reason. Like, it was cool. He was just being a guy, let him be a guy, respect who he is, and go about his day. You know what I mean? No, I I got that, and, and thank you, Greg. I do appreciate you. Yeah, I got that side of it. I, I, it's a good perspective on it. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna play with the idea that I, I saw people's faces, but I'm gonna play with the idea that you guys are right. Now I'm wondering, and I need to make this clear now because in case you're just joining us late to the party, I did go up to Joe and said, "Hey, Joe, I'm Jonathan Peter. We've talked on the air a lot. I've met him before. It's not like a big deal." And then I made a joke about Lima and Ken and all that stuff. And then I, I said that was it. I let it go. And then he went through. And then he came back to me. We need to make that abundantly clear. He came back to me to have the longer conversation. But at that point, then we both cleared through our baggage and everything. And I think he, I think he felt relief. I think he felt relief that he made it through. He was not going to be late for the flight, anything like that. And then obviously we were on the same flight. And, you know, it is what it is. But, yeah, okay. I, Dominic, you buying this or no? I, I – I want to believe that Cleveland is just built differently, that they would understand that. It's just, there's hundreds of people that probably passed me and Joe having a conversation on on Saturday morning, early Saturday morning. Not a one came by and fist bumped them and said Hall of Fame or anything like that. No acknowledgement there. So I do buy the concept of it. I don't know if there's not a crazy Browns fan on that. Because I've, I've been in LAX and there was a... Nuggets player. I forget his name. He's young at the time, small forward, tall, lengthy. Okay. And uh, we all knew who he was. And we're just like, you know what? Let's just leave him alone. My one buddy went up to him and said, hey, when are you getting back on the court? But, like, it's just like, you know what? It's early here. I don't want to okay. talk to him. Here's my point, though. Here's my point. And it was crazy early. It was crazy early. How big you are, the courtesy flies out the window with the, the bigger you are in the world. Agreed. LeBron goes to the airport. Nobody cares if LeBron has been through three hours of sleep and you just watched him do a game the night prior. Nobody cares. It's like, that's LeBron. That's my one opportunity to see LeBron, to meet LeBron, and I'm going to go bother LeBron because that's the only chance I get. You know? there. I think, I think that's what it's got to be. President walks through the airport. Whatever president, former president you like, Okay. That person walks through the airport, you're going to be a madman. Now, there's, there's security there attached to that, so maybe you're not a madman. But, like, there's – you know what I mean? I feel like the – I feel like the difference between uh, Tito and then Joe Thomas, let's say, and my interaction with Joe Thomas in particular, is that most people know if they want to meet Joe at any given point, it's not the hardest thing in the world because he's a very available human, right? Like, Joe Thomas, this uh, a couple days ago, prior – so even getting on, he was doing like a, a a beer tasting event at Great Lakes or something like that. Like you, if you want to meet Joe Thomas, you can meet Joe Thomas. If you want to meet LeBron, you can't just meet LeBron. And I think that might be part of the distinction here. I I, I think you're onto something there. Yeah, it's just again Joe. Again, if I know if I saw Joe Thomas at an airport, I'm like, you know what? He doesn't care like who I am. Like it's in the morning. <laughs> like, well, that's why I think I'm like he. Like I want to talk to well, him. All right, so he doesn't want to talk to me because we've had conversations before, and and because we're friendly. Was it wrong of me to go up to him? I think your timing may have been a little off, considering really? you were going through TSA. But I, but mm. I also you may have, you didn't know what flight he was on. I had no you idea. Know. Yeah. So I, I think since you knew him prior, and you guys talked a few times, he would recognize you. At some capacity, I think that was fine. No, again, if I did that, it wouldn't be fine because he doesn't know. No, who I, I am. had the opening. I had yeah. the bridge. I had the. the we've had open. conversations. We know each other. We should. I mean, like I, I had what I thought was the opening, and then again, I, I just did the quick high and buy type thing. Basically, essentially, made a quick joke about Ken and Anthony. He's the one that came back around to me. Yeah. That's that's the that I think is the important part of the story. It, it did it did work out. 
Okay, again, if you were any average Joe or or just a you know like me, again, no, you yeah. don't talk to Joe Thomas. But right. you know, you work at the station. You you have a voice here. He knows who you are. He's friends with people at the station. Yeah, just a couple media guys chopping yeah. it up is all you know. And that's really that's a lot of the bulk of our conversation was talking about what a pro's pro Chris Rose is. I gave him a lot of compliments, by the way. I gave Joe a lot of compliments on the uh, the Keller commentating job that he did because I think he did a really good job, and I think he needed to see it, it, it's not. It's not like someone's going to come up and be like, hey, you didn't do a great job at that. But it's always nice when people tell you you did do a great job when they actually did believe it. And I did believe it. When I watched the game on Friday night, I kept thinking to myself, he's saying exactly what I'm thinking about Deshaun Watson right now. Like He kept saying comfortable. And that's that's my brain kept going off with the idea that Deshaun Watson looked comfortable. And that's exactly what Joe was saying on the broadcast as well. Literally, I was sitting there watching it with my, with my father-in-law and uh, with his brother, Uncle Bobby, and they're both they're both saying the same things. They're like, "Hey, yeah, it looks looks really comfortable." And then right right out right after we say that comment, then all of a sudden you turn around and it's like, "Oh yeah, there's Joe being like, yeah, it looks really comfortable." Like it was he did a really nice job, I thought, really nice job. But obviously the the game didn't offer much for a lot of people. Uh, it was not the world's greatest game, and the worst part about that game is when you have a situation like what happened with Cade York. Everyone in the building knows where the conversation shifts to. And everyone in the building knows where it then moves to. And that is, what what do we do with Cade York now? Missing one in the preseason and preseason game number one is enough to give people hesitation. Missing another one in preseason game number two, well, that's enough to give people a heart attack. And honestly, that's what it felt like with the radio station today. It felt like a lot of people were just, they were in a weird moment. In a weird moment when it came to what do you do with someone like Cade York? And I I just kept thinking about Roberto Aguayo. He never got used to the ball. The ball in the college game is different than the ball in the NFL game. He was a second-round pick. He missed nine kicks his first year. He only got one year to play in the NFL. Everything else was, that was it. Missed a, missed a, pre, a kick in a preseason game number one in what would have been his second year and never recovered. Now, I don't know how much of that was mental. I don't know how much of that was the difference in the, the NCAA ball to the NFL ball. But what I do know is that with Roberto Aguayo, he never got there. He was one of the most decorated and most celebrated college kickers of my lifetime. He was so automatic and so good. Second round pick, and then boom, cut like that because you got to have a kicker you can rely on. Two one six four seven four to below ninety two. Jeff up next on the fan. Hello, Jeff. Hey, how's it going, John? Hey, what's yeah, up, Jeff? I want to talk to you about how much of the how you know how much important a kicker is. Uh, in 1980, we went in 11 and five. Now we had Don Cockroft at that time. He uh, he missed quite a few. We played the L.A. Raiders in the playoffs in the game that really mattered. They didn't trust him. So they had Brian Sight, I think, try to. Yeah, that was the fourteen twelve game, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, fourteen twelve, and uh, and it reminds me of John Elway. He didn't win any Super Bowls until he had what a running game. So you got to have a complete game, and that's what I want to see. And I'll just listen to your comments. All right, thank you, Jeff. I appreciate you. Uh, they, you know, he makes me want to give one of those. I thought about doing a series where I go through like really old Cleveland Browns games and then act as if they just happened the day prior. This would be a this would be something you would do in the like the summer. Not right now, but what you would do in the summer. As much as I love Brian Sipe and I've always talked up Brian Sipe, 
In that playoff game, he was absolutely abysmal. 13 of 40 for 183 yards. 13 of 40, zero touchdowns, three interceptions. I've thought about that game way more times than I should for somebody that was born nine years after that game happened. He was absolutely horrendous, and I love number 17. For the longest time, I used to walk around telling people I liked Brian Seip more than I liked Bernie Kosar, but I think that was more to get under people's skin. I don't think that was really true. Um, I mean, I believed it at the time, but I've just, I've just educated myself more on the matter. You got to remember, I'm not, I'm not from here. So it's not like, uh, anything I have, it's like, I'm, I'm learning old school Browns when I study it and I learn it piece by piece by piece. But even if I was born in 1989 and I was born here, I wouldn't have had good memory on what happened in 1980. Yeah. So I had three interceptions in that game was absolute awful. Just awful. God, he was so good in the MVP year. And it just, to have it crash down in that game. Just awful. 11 and 5 season. Anyway, when it comes to Cade York, I want to hear from you guys. 216-474-0092. On Twitter, there you can find me. I am at Jay Peterlin. It's a lot to get to. We'll do it all next. Your thoughts, your phone calls, your interactions. It's overtime with Jonathan Peterlin here with you on the fan. Hey guys, we switched formats and became 923 the fan in August of 2011. Now we want you to help celebrate our 12th anniversary with us. Next Friday morning at 11 o'clock, all of our primetime talk shows will be on one stage. You can listen to it live on the Odyssey app or go to 923thefan.com. Enter for your chance to see the broadcast live in person. Oh, I didn't know that. You can enter to see it live in person. That's pretty sweet. Uh, note, I will not be at that event though. All the primetime talk shows, okay? So when you see the thing, you see the little like the little promo thing, and it's got six people on there, and I'm not on there. I'm not a primetime show. I'm a seven to midnight show, and that's where I like to be right now, okay? So we're we're perfectly fine with that. It's all right, but that's the that's You're the primetime to me, JT. Yeah, thank you, JP. I JT. You JT. Like I'm JT the yeah. Brick. All of a sudden, <laughs> I'm so primetime. We don't get my name right. <laughs> yeah, uh, on your own show. That's but that's okay. That's fine. No, honestly, uh, it, it should be really cool. I'm more of a uh, look towards the future type guy, not a look in the past guy. You know this about me, Dominic. I'm not a, I don't look in the rearview mirror. I look ahead. But it'll be nice to hear everyone talk about the stories from 12 years ago when the station was very, very tiny to now where it's been an absolute dominating force, not only in the, like the, the city, but really when you stack up the fan towards other stations across the country, I mean, it's night and day. Didn't have that, you know, seven years ago before a young guy named Jonathan Peterlin joined the team. But that's neither – am I the, am I the, the, the straw that, that stirs the camel's drink? I don't know. I don't know. Some would say you are. Some would say. I would say. But, uh, what, do I, what, what do I know? What do I know? Anyway, it should be a fun event. It should be a fun time. Uh, I'll be listening. All right. Anyway, 216-474-0092. We're talking about Cade York. I'm going to have Amari Cooper audio for you guys. Amari spoke. It's, it was a weird day. It was a late practice day. And so – they didn't get wrapped up speaking until just a little bit ago. So Amari Cooper spoke to the media. We'll have that for you guys in a minute or two just to see what he said and, and see what he checked in on. There was one quote in there that I think has gone relatively viral that I know you want to hear. So we'll get that in, you know, relatively you know, five minutes or so. But right now we're talking about Cade York. And I, I do. I think about Roberto Aguayo often in regards to kickers that don't work out. Second round pick, he got one season. Cade York missed eight kicks last year. Aguayo missed nine. It's not like it was neck and neck. 24-32 for 75% from Cade York. 22-31 for 71% from Aguayo. It's really not that far off. But the point to me is that you shouldn't let the draft pick get in the way of keeping him around or throwing him to the NFL garbage can. 
But this franchise will never admit to when they make mistakes in the drafting process. It's not too late. But they have to find out if he can actually kick or not and do it really soon since Kate York can't be the reason you lose games. It'd be like if the Guardians just kept Mike Zanino out there, a catcher, but they understood they made a mistake and they fixed that mistake. Now, the problem here is that by all accounts, Aguayo in practice and then the preseason game number one where he eventually got waived, he was an absolute dumpster fire. It's not like Aguayo was out there lighting up the practice field. Cade York is legitimately Babe Ruth. I think about it. If Zanino had been Babe Ruth, let's play with baseball for a second, in practice, and every time you watched him hit BP, the ball was going 500 feet and he just looked something different, you'd probably be more interested in keeping him around and trying to figure out why it's not translating to the games. That's, I think, the big problem the Browns currently have. I've seen it with my own two eyes. I've seen it. Last training camp, all I kept talking about is how Deshaun Watson looked different than Jacoby Brissett, and he did, even if it didn't translate the same way. And then Cade York. Cade York, the ball came off his foot differently than any other kicker I've been around close. And so you're going to be tantalized by that. You're going to be interested in what that can be. But Aguayo got sent to the garbage very early on in his career, and Tampa Bay realized they made a mistake. It's not inconceivable for the Browns to think, hey, we messed up here. Fourth round pick didn't work out. We can't rely on that. The Browns are not in the right position right now to be thinking about how they can let kickers just suck. 216474 to blow 92. Jeff up next on the fan. Hello, Jeff. Oh, hey, guys. You know what? I'm, here's the thing. In our division, we don't have room for mistakes. Every Agreed. missed field goal, there's a chance for Lamar to run it in for six, Joe Burrows to throw it in for six, or can he pick it? Every, every interception, Lamar can run it in for six, Joe Burrows can throw it in for six, or can he pick it? Can throw it in for six. We just don't have room for mistakes in today's world. Agreed. Jeff, you're 100% right. We, and, and the room for error has never been shorter than what it is right now. Last year, through 14 weeks of the season, we had more what is conceived as close games or, or perceived to be as close games, which is six points or less. We had 92 of them. At, at the NFL record through 14 weeks of the season is 90. We had more than we've ever seen. you got to have good kickers. All right, Amari Cooper, good wide receiver. Can't help in the kicking game, but good wide receiver. He spoke to the media after today's practice in Philadelphia. This is what he had to say. Everybody working hard. Um, feels great to, you know, actually put the work in against a different team to prepare us for the season. So it was good work, especially a team like this, you know, coming off of, you know, a Super Bowl contention. So it's good. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, that's the purpose of doing this. You know, that's the purpose of going up against another team, uh, especially another good team. Um, like you said, you know, we got to hit the hit the ground running. So, you know, why not tip, like have a pre-trial before? So, yeah. How big is that just, you know, you guys, you know, you guys put work in against, against each other, but, you know, when you're going against somebody that doesn't necessarily know the plays, that, you know, how, how much of a – how big is that, you know, to – to kind of find out where you are. It's good. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I mean, I guess comparative to, you know, what, you know. No, I get what you're saying. Uh, you know, 
it's good to go up against new faces. You know, I kind of say that sometimes too. Like, you know, I'm going up against a DB. I beat him on a route and practice a couple times throughout the week. The week, but obviously, we only have so many plays, so I have to keep running it on him, finding different ways to be creative and win, as opposed to going up against a guy who, you know, I don't usually go up against uh, to really get that feel of how it would be in the game when I'm going up against an opponent who uh, who I don't practice against. So. Yeah. So I'm just wondering, uh, is that an, a testament to how good those guys are, or did you did you just have the kind of day where you'd like to have a couple back, or, or how would you characterize that? Yeah, I mean, obviously you gotta catch every ball. That's the that's why they call us receivers, right? Um, so obviously, yeah, I, I like to have those back. But you know, that's why we are out here. That's why we practice. You know, uh, to get better. Um, never can get complacent. Always could always set reminders for you to you know focus. Where are you at this year in your training camp coming off that injury now? You, you missed a couple of days at the Green Fire. <clears throat> are you in training camp form or your pace? Uh, I'm getting there. <laughs> I'm getting there health-wise. Yeah, I'm good. Uh, but you know, you know, as far as conditioning and all those things, um, that's why it's so important to practice. So important to be available. So important to stay healthy so that you can practice every day. So that you can condition every day. Um, but I'm getting there, you know, we have time, we're all getting there. So, you know, by, by week one, you know, I'll definitely be ready. Amari, whenever I've talked to one of the young receivers or we do, they mentioned you and Marquise kind of taking them under their wings, under your wings. How important is that for you as the veteran in that room to kind of take some of those guys in a little bit? Yeah, I mean, as the vets, you know, you set the tone. Yeah, I mean, you set the tone for what the receiver group is going to be. Um, I always try to lead by example. I'm always, you know, pushing the guys to be better every day. Um, but it's more believable when you're, you know, actively showing them that you're trying to be better every day, and that's what I try to do. I know Elijah wasn't out there today, but what's it been like, kind of getting used to playing alongside of him and just having another South Florida guy in the room that you can get to know better? Yeah, I mean, it's been great. You know, Elijah makes a lot of plays. Uh, he's a great compliment to the offense. Great compliment to me. Um, you know, we're going to be a great tandem together. You know, I think about, you know, great tandems like Tory Holt, Isaac Bruce. You know, that's what I think we could be. You know, we both run really good routes, both create separa separation, we both get open, um, and we're both reliable. So. You probably won't uh, play in the games, perhaps, until Kansas City. Is that okay? You need to be in the games. I mean, this is like a game. <laughs> Trust me, it's like a game. You know, going up against these guys, um, you know, Slay, he's all pro. You know, Bradbury, he's been a pro bowler. So, you know, it's some of the best work you will get. <laughs> so. Uh, you know, I don't think it matters whether we play or not uh, in the game because this is like a game for me. Is there a preference like either way between games or joint practices in terms of the work you're getting? No, no preference. I mean, like I said, it, it, like I said, it feels like a game. I mean, it's not like the guys come out here and practice and don't play the same in the game. <laughs> you know, people are who they are. You know, uh, I know me myself. I, I go as hard as I can. It's, it's no differentiating between uh, just practice reps uh, in terms of joint practice and the game reps. So, you like where you and Deshaun are in terms of of kind of getting on the same page? Yeah, I like where our communication is. You know, obviously, uh, you know, I dropped a couple balls today. Uh, I just I, I like being, you know, I like making my quarterback's job easy as possible. Uh, and I look forward to, to, to growing on today and all the previous practice days. Um, but 
you know, by, by the time the season comes, you know, that's why I go so hard. That's why I practice. That's why I grind. I just want to make his job easy. So as of right now, I like where we are communication-wise, but we can, we can be better. What's, what's the biggest difference that you're seeing in Deshaun's game you know, from last year? I know obviously you missed you know, most, of the, most of the season and everything, but like, how much more comfortable do you see him in the offense? I, I, mean, I, I asked him personally. He's a lot more comfortable. You know, obviously, you know, him not playing for you know, almost two years. When he first came back, um, you know, he was just trying to get back to where he was. And I think um, just from talking to him, he feels like he's back there now. Yeah, of course, you got to always do extra, right? Extra, extra, extra. You know, just did some extra spins after practice. Um, always looking for ways to get better, you know, extra stretching. Uh, whatever I feel like I need to, to work on. So, yeah. All right. Thank you. All right. Good stuff from Amari Cooper. The highlight, obviously, is I'm playing alongside Elijah Moore. I think of great tandems like Torrey Holt and Isaac Bruce. That's what I think we can be. You'll love to hear that. I'm telling you, people love Elijah Moore. They really do. I almost feel bad for Amari in a sense. Those are the type of answers that will really speak to his character, though, because even though he's been awesome throughout his entire career, 1,000-yard receiver, three different stops, he's always been really good. Nine touchdowns last year, arguably with the exception of the one the one Josh Gordon year. You can make an argument that's the best year by a wide receiver since the Browns came back in 99, and he just takes it all in stride. He's like, oh, you want to talk about Elijah Moore? That's great. I'm going to tell you why we're going to be awesome together as opposed to getting like you know petty or mad about it that everyone is just focused on Elijah Moore and the Elijah Moore love. He just takes it all in stride. I love that about Amari. I knew he'd always be good that way since he was great that way in Dallas in particular when it's so easy to want to just be starved for attention and then just be fed that attention. But he's just a fantastic teammate. I, I love everything about Amari Cooper. I really do. All right. Leave that there. We come on back. Fan focus. We're also getting to Deshaun Watson in the nine o'clock hour as well. As I thought, I, I thought uh, you couldn't have asked for a better preseason game number two out of Deshaun. We'll get to all that and more next. The fan focus right here on Overtime with Jonathan Peterlin.